0: A'udhu billahi mina shaitanir rajim. Bismillahi All praise is due to Allah, and may peace and blessings be upon Prophet Muhammad and upon his family and companions and all who follow him until the day of judgment. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Weekly Iman Boosters by Iqna Sisters. I'll be sharing some thoughts with you about Salah and Hayat, which are two very interconnected and interdependent parts of a Muslim's life. We all know what the act of Salah entails. But what is the purpose behind this act? And does it have anything to do with hayat? Well, even a casual observation of salah shows us that it trains us to be critical of the way we present ourselves. Because in order to pray, we need to be dressed according to certain guidelines. Our bodies need to be covered. The fabric cannot be form-fitting or see-through. We know all this. But while this is true, let's still take a moment to consider what exactly haya is unfortunately we often limit our thoughts regarding haya to our outward appearances how we're dressed or our behavior in public and even more specifically just those interactions with the opposite gender and while all of that is definitely part of haya There are broader and deep inner applications of hayat as well, which encompass all aspects of our lives, not just the way we dress and the way we talk to the opposite gender. Rasulullah spoke a great deal about hayat, and I'll quote just a few ahadith to give you an idea. And these ahadith, by the way, are the ones that expressly use the word hayat. However, we know that the concept of Haya is prevalent in many of his teachings. So he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, Iman divides into 70 plus or 60 plus parts. The best of these is saying there is no God but Allah, and the smallest of these is removing an obstacle from the path, and Haya is a part of Iman. And this hadith is Muttafiq Alayh, which means that it is in both Sahih Al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. In another hadith, he said, Indeed, every religion has a defining characteristic, and the defining characteristic of Islam is Hayat. And this is recorded in Ibn Majah and verified by Al-Albani. And he also said, Hayat does not bring anything except good, which is also muttafiq alayh. And lastly, he gave a stern warning against being negligent of developing Hayat. He said, If you do not have Hayat, then do as you wish. Meaning, a person without hayat is a person without any restraints to prevent him from things that he should stay away from. And this is recorded in Al-Bukhari. As you can see, there is nothing expressly stated in these ahadith to limit the understanding of hayat to what it has come to be understood as today. Rather, the ahadith are very general, and that suggests that, they're, that they encompass much more. I'd like to share with you a quote from Madarij Salikin by Ibn al-Qayyim that beautifully explains the idea of the inner dimension of Hayat. He said, The strength of Hayat in a heart is based upon how alive the heart is, and a lack of Hayat is a symptom of the death of the heart and soul. When the heart is alive, Haya is perfected. So according to Ibn al-Qayyim, Haya is the result of a living heart, and vice versa. So the question is, what nourishes and keeps our hearts alive? What is that thing that, if it were, is lacking, it causes hearts to die? Now, this is where understanding the place of salah in our deen becomes important. In Surah Ra'ad, verse 28, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ala bi Indeed, in the remembrance of Allah do hearts find peace. What this is telling us is that a heart at peace is a heart that remembers and worships Allah a heart that is alive, knows the truth about its Lord and its creator. And it is well known how much the Prophet ﷺ, who is our example in all matters, loved to pray. To quote just one hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, The coolness of my eyes has been placed in salah. More than any other act of worship, this was what his heart most desired and delighted in. It's good for us to pause here for a second and consider our own relationship to salah. Do we approach it with even a fraction of the love described by the Prophet sallallahu May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who find comfort and peace in prayer from the tests we face in life. May our prayers help us center ourselves so we can continue to remain true to the principles of our faith through all situations. I mean. So this is the purpose behind the prayer. Salah is key in reminding us of our creator and the reality of our creation, thus keeping our hearts alive. And the connection that salah develops between us and Allah also increases our hayat. The Qur'an says in Surah Al-Ankabut, verse 45, Indeed, prayer forbids indecency and evil. So just to give you a brief explanation of the words used, um, fahshah, which is translated as indecency, has a connotation of crossing limits and refers to those acts which are bad or forbidden because of context. So for example, intercourse between a man and a woman is allowed, but if it occurs outside the bounds of marriage, it is forbidden. So zina, So zina falls under the category of fahsha. Munkr refers to those acts which are completely forbidden and they're not acceptable under any circumstance. So this would include drinking or gambling, etc. So salah forbids us, meaning it protects us from the temptation of both of these types of bad deeds. The reason for this is that a person who truly prays with pure intention and concentration builds a connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that makes him feel ashamed to commit bad deeds because he's always aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. SubhanAllah, this is taqwa. The word taqwa is actually derived from the root meaning to protect. Now protect us from what? Protect us from the sins or any sort of blameworthy act. So the deeper meaning of haya and taqwa come to the same thing. So this hayat that we're speaking of now is haya from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not just from people. Most of us are careful to behave the best that we can when we're in public. This is called haya from people because we're aware that people are observing us and don't want to be seen as blameworthy in front of them. So hayat from Allah is to apply that same level of care in our actions even if no one else is watching because we understand that the only judgment that truly matters is Allah's and this is only possible when we are mindful of Allah's intimate knowledge of us, His creation, including those things buried deeply within our hearts. One thing I would like to clarify regarding Allah's judgment is that He does not judge or punish us for our thoughts and desires. However, despite this, a person with haya acknowledges all his thoughts and desires, both good and bad, to Allah and seeks his help to avoid acting upon those things which are displeasing to him and in fact asks Allah to remove those bad desires from his heart. This is because once he realizes that there is something within himself that is displeasing to Allah, not doing anything about it is a source of embarrassment. Like, if you realize that you have a visible stain on your clothes right before you're about to talk, uh, give a talk on stage, right? You wouldn't be able to go through with it until you did something about that stain. So it's the same situation. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Piety is having beautiful character, and sin is what rattles in your chest or your heart." The Prophet ﷺ is talking about that sometimes vague sometimes strong feeling in our hearts that tells us that what we're doing is not right when we guard our Haya we learn to respect that feeling and stop telling ourselves it's no big deal in response to it so for example Haya will prevent us from raising our voices in anger or impatience Likewise, a person of haya also seeks Allah's help in all things that will earn his pleasure. So if a thought occurs to him to give sadaqah or perform some other small act of khair, if he doesn't act upon that, he would feel ashamed that I had this thought of doing something good, but I didn't act upon it. Uh, I'm not striving to be the best person that I can be. And that also causes him to feel ashamed or embarrassed in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and this can be a good thing because it motivates him and it pushes him to be the best that he can be. In an excerpt from a hadith Qudsi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, My slave approaches me with nothing more beloved to me than what I have made obligatory upon him. And my slave keeps drawing nearer to me with voluntary works until I love him. And when I love him, I am his hearing with which he hears, his sight with which he sees, his hand with which he grasps, and his foot with which he walks. Subhanallah. Now, this is a very beautiful hadith Qudsi. It means that as that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grows stronger and stronger, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides this person's senses. Subhanallah. I mean, Imagine how this person would experience this life, the serenity and love and patience this person would have for everything and everyone, even those who caused them pain. I mean, I'm reminded of Amreen Naeem, the woman whose husband and son were martyred in the New Zealand masjid attack. Her composure, despite such a tragic loss, was truly admirable. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on them and on us. So a person experiencing such closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as described in the Hadith Qudsi would not look at haram because his eyes are guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will not listen to haram things. He will not use his hand for doing haram things. He will not walk to haram places or towards performing haram acts. So haya basically means preventing ourselves from all that is blameworthy. And it's through a realization that all that we have is due to Allah. So gratitude towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also a deterrent against not having haya. So haya is feeling ashamed to use these gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that is displeasing to him. Now, I'll give you an example that maybe most of us can relate to. Without getting too specific, suppose there is a popular show that everyone, it seems, is watching. A show that has many indecent scenes and many indecent concepts. Um, A person may avoid watching in front of others out of hayat towards them. I mean, one would hope. But if there's no hayat towards Allah, nothing is stopping that person from watching it in private. That person would not even be bothered by the desire and anticipation in their heart to watch this show. Picking up the remote, turning on the TV, all of these steps that they take None of these would give them pause. But if we reflect upon the messages in the Ahadith, specifically the Hadith Qudsi, we have to ask ourselves, how can we do this? How can we use our eyes, our ears, hands, feet to, dis- to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not feel ashamed, not feel even a twinge of guilt or even shyness from talking about it on social media? And yes, I know I shouldn't judge, and I'm not. And giving these people the benefit of the doubt, I'm sure they think that forwarding inappropriate scenes is protecting their hayat. But what about the insensitivity that constant exposure causes? Where once you may have had a visceral reaction against certain ideas, you now don't blink an eye, you keep watching? To a person who cares about guarding their heart, this is a reason to be very, very sad. Also, what is the difference between haya and shyness? Are they the same? Well, the quick answer is that haya is a constant quality. It's a virtue that you develop and cultivate within yourself. Whereas shyness appears only in certain situations, and once that situation is gone, so is the shyness. Also, haya prevents one only from bad deeds. Whereas shyness may also become an obstacle while while wanting to do good deeds For example, if we see someone being bullied We should step in to come to that person's aid A shy person might be too afraid to do what is required But a person with haya would feel ashamed not doing anything Because that person would know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Knows that, that they're, uh, of their inability to stand up for what's right So in this case, haya would actually act as a motivator for doing the right thing rather than a deterrent against doing the wrong thing. So to recap, salah leads to taqwa, which makes our hearts alive, and this increases our haya. Or as Ibn al-Qayyim said it so eloquently, the strength of haya in a heart is based upon how alive the heart is. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who are steadfast in performing prayer and make our hearts alive with his remembrance and increase us in taqwa and haya. Ameen. Jazakumullah khair for listening. as alaykum.